time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, December 27th. Hope all of you had a wonderful Christmas. We are glad to be back on the podcast world, which is a form of communication that is exploding. And our listenership is exploding. We're so grateful for you helping to do that. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals, and we're creating it for mortgage professionals, and we're grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Got an exciting hot topic this week. We have Joe Rogas joining us of Red Sapiens, and he also has a new company called Start, Grow, and Manage. This guy is helping entrepreneurs across the country not necessarily in the mortgage space, start companies. And I was talking to him about another matter, interviewed him, and it just clicked. I said, would you mind coming on a podcast and sharing your story? So it's kind of like one of those Christmas stories where someone comes from, well, let's just say this guy was born on the other side of the tracks and then some. Where he started out to where he's at today and what he's doing and the passion that he has. I'm really excited to share the story with you. Hopefully the recording I did captured all of it. And we'll share it with you a little bit later in the Hot Topic segment. We're thrilled to be a part of Industry Syndicate. Encourage you to check out all the podcasts at the website, industrysyndicate.com. Also grateful for our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Finastra with their Mortgage Bot Solution, as well as Lenders One, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Incelerate, Josh friend and the group over there do a great job of helping you engage the borrowers and consumers more effectively. Also, Knowledge Group, a great learning management system, as well as Mobility MMI and Modex. Both of these companies help you select and find top talent LOs and get them on board. And you get the laser target. The information that these two companies have is amazing. We had on Ben Turley, December 20th. We also had Dale Larson III and Dale Larson Jr., father-son team on November 22nd. Also, one of our newer sponsors is SnapDocs, doing a great job with over 3 million mortgage closings done electronically for lenders. And you got to check out what they're doing. It's one of those sleeper companies that's coming up and it's going to take you by storm and it's taking the industry by storm. Check out SnapDocs.com as well as Success Kit. They do a great job of helping you tell your story and have your story told. I like this one proverb. It says, let another man's mouth praise you, not that of your own. In other words, the most effective sales force is your existing customers and what they're saying about you. So check out successkit.io. Also, Lender Toolkit, Brent Emler had him on November 29th. Check out that podcast. As also, we're going to be doing a lot more with uh, Lender Toolkit in the coming months. We also have a number of new sponsors coming on. We're excited to announce in the new year. And so we should be alive with them in January. Anyway, so good to have you with us. Welcome to the Hot Topic segment of the Lickin' on Lending podcast. This is December 27th. 
day after Christmas. Hope you had a great Christmas. And we have a special podcast that I pre-recorded. A guy by the name of Joe Rojas. Joe is not a mortgage individual, but he's an entrepreneur and helped many people get started. He'll be joining on, us on the consulting business and will be working with us to help encourage people along through the various micro steps. So I thought I'd share his story on today's Hot Topic segment. So without further ado, Let's get into the interview I recorded with Joe Rojas. Folks, I am excited to have Joe Rojas with us. He is CEO, Chief Visionary for Red Sapiens, and I'm excited to have him come on. He's a new friend, and I'm getting to know him. He's a fellow podcaster, which, of course, I'm always picking up ideas from fellow podcasters. But, Joe, good to have you joining us on the podcast, friend. Oh, glad to be here. So exciting. Let our audience get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got to the point where you started Red Sapiens. So we started Red Sapiens. I started a new company called Start, Grow, Manage. So we have Start, Grow, Manage and Red Sapiens really to help IT companies become better IT companies. That's the space that I come out of. I started my own IT company way back when. And with, with Start, Grow, Manage, we're just doing the same thing, but for all kinds of entrepreneurs. Very good. Very, very good. What is the catalyst for you to do this? What caused you to be drawn to this? I have a sense that I'm called. That's a strong term. Mm-hmm. Dive into it, uh, into what I'm doing. I have a strong sense that this is something you're, quote unquote, supposed to do. I am yep. called. I am for sure. <laughs> I am for sure. So I can certainly agree with that statement. So I think that to answer that question, I need to give you a little background. Yeah. That's okay. So I grew up in Washington Heights in Harlem. When I was five years old, my parents split up. So I spent five years in Dominican Republic, which is where my parents are from. And then a lot of stuff happened over there. Some of it not so good and physical abuse and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, yeah, I want to come back. So I told my mom that I wanted to come back. And I pressured her into bringing me back at 10 and she brought me back, but little did I know that she'd been in a car accident. She had some brain trauma and she wasn't doing very well. And so we were homeless for about a year and it was rough. And I was still going to school, but we were living kind of in the park mostly or on wow. basement or on park benches or wherever we could find. Right. And when I turned 11, I decided I'd quit school and get a job, start working full time. So I did. And then I started working then. And then by the time I was 17, I had my first business. I had 25 bouncers working for me, and that was interesting and fun. <laughs> and then when I turned 19, after people had been shooting at me and, and trying to stab me, I decided I'd do it professionally, so oh, I got my GED. And I went that would probably me. be a good motivation to start a new career. And he shot it <laughs> have that. Yeah, the fact that you were a bouncer, that kind of gives you some insights into the clientele that you were working with. It's- yeah, I, I can understand why you wanted upgrades. So I want a career upgrade. So I got my GED and I went in the Army, went in the Army National Guard. And they sent me to school for two years for night vision, thermal viewers, global positioning systems, all kinds of really cool electronic equipment. And I learned how to do that. And then I came back to my National Guard unit and I tried a couple of civilian jobs. Didn't really work out for me. So I applied for a job at the Department of Defense, which I got, which I was very happy that I got. And then for the next four years, that's what I did. I, I fixed night vision for the 10th Mountain and for a bunch of other three-letter organizations. And so I did that. And then after about four years, I got poached by a biomedical engineering company because I worked on some equipment that they had that I knew how to fix. So I, I ended up getting a biomedical engineering job without a biomedical engineering degree, which I thought was interesting. Amazing. It was a rare character in that yeah. cast of oh. players, right? And then about two years after, I got this project to network 
my blood gas analyzers with some computers and I fell in love with networking. One of my lieutenants from National Guard unit was with a national IT company. And I said, hey, I think I'd like to go work for you. And he said, oh, sure. And then later they were like, yep, come on, we'll take you. They brought me over and I ended up working there and really enjoyed that. And about a year into it, I decided that I'd open my own business. And then I did. And then I sucked at it. I was so bad at business. I was terrible. I was a really amazing technician that could fix anything. So you have a gift in a certain area, and we just assume, well, I can open a business and run that. But there's many aspects of running a successful business, which is something, again, we'll get into in just a little bit, that you help so many through. So out of those failure experiences, I'm just amazed. A mom and you living in park fences in basements, wherever you can survive. You're a survivor. I mean, more than a survivor, you have overcome so much, which makes us Americans who grew up in a pretty normal, what we consider yeah, normal yeah. environment, we look back in years and we go, wow, I just love these kind of stories. So very redemptive type stories. So now you started a business, you thought it would be an instant success and didn't go quite and like I you sucked. And what was the primary thing? What, what did you, what did you suck at? I was a great tech. But I didn't know how to get clients. I didn't know how to close business. I didn't know how to put a contract together. I didn't know how to price. I didn't know how to do any of the things that I needed to do as a business person. Right. Right. So for about a year, I continued to suck. And I spent a lot of the money that I had saved while I was working for the Department of Defense and while I was working as a biomedical engineer. I made a lot of money in the 90s. You know, I had six-figure income in the 90s. That's a big deal. So you started your life off back in New York, mm-hmm. sleeping at park benches, sleeping in basements, and then you, with no high school education, no college education, you went in the building, you got some practical skills, and you came back. Now you're working in biomed and technology. This is very unusual. What would you attribute that to? My mom, even with all the issues that she had, was a go-getter, and she trained uh, me how to be a go-getter. She was smart. She came here to this country. I was born here. So that was good for me, which is what I attributed is really that opportunity. Like where you're born matters. Being American matters, yes. right? So if I'd been born anywhere else, I wouldn't have had the opportunity that I had here. Right. And so I'm very fortunate and I'm always thankful for that. That was the, the luck of the draw for me. So now here I am, I'm sucking at it. And I call a friend of mine. I was down to, to somebody's couch at this point. <laughs> I call a friend of mine and I say, listen, this is not working. And this guy's a Harvard grad. He's doing the same type of business that I am, but he's doing really well. He says, why don't you come over? And I come over, he says, look, the problem is you keep running the business like a tech. You need to run it like a business owner. He gifted me this book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Oh, yeah. And oh. although some of the concepts were a little bit over my head, it was really great. If you've ever read the book, there's this character, Sarah, in there. I was reading the book, and at the end, I'm crying. I'm like, I'm because I'd made all the same mistakes that Sarah made. I'd made every single one, right? And so once I figured that out, then I started kind of cobbling my own system together. And I started working on it and working on it and working on it. And within 18 months, company was over a million dollars. And that was a big deal. What was really cool was that somebody came to me and said, hey, so all the trouble you went through, don't want to go through all that trouble. Can I buy your company? And I thought to myself, well, it took me all this work. I don't want to sell it. And the guy said, I'll give you this much. And I was like, okay. 
So, <laughs> so it wasn't much, but it was enough for me to pay back all the debt that I had accumulated. Yep. And at the end of paying everybody back and paying the taxes and doing the whole thing, I had about $14,000 left over. So I took that 14000 I started a brand new company, different vertical, same business, IT, right? Within 16 months, I'm over a million dollars following the same process that I had uh, followed, right? So I said, I wonder if I could do that again. So I sold it again, started again. And the third time I stuck around, grew to about three, four million, a little more with assets and everything. And then hung out, had some kids, started enjoying life, bought some stuff. It was good. And then I started helping my clients with their businesses. I said, you know, I know I'm just your IT guy, but I've grown three businesses this way. I said, okay, if I make some suggestions, right? No, my only interest in it is that if, if you succeed, then you have to pay me more because you have to hire more people and then you'll have more seats, right? And I was charging per seat. So that's all I cared about is helping them grow. I remember I was working with an attorney. I helped them go from him and an assistant to four attorneys and 13 admin people and within about a year and a half and on and on. That's how it went, right? So over the last 20 years, I've probably helped 32 companies hit their first million dollars and helped a number of others reach their next target. And so eventually I wrote a book about it called How Entrepreneurs Thrive. And I've then, read the book. It is such a great book. I encourage our listeners. We'll put a link in our show notes for you to be able to go to the link, buy and download that or get it shipped to you. So I always say it's a really boring book because it's written like an army field manual. Do this your, and then do this and then do this. There's no story in the book. It's just basically a set of things that you need to do. And if you do that, produce results, right? That's good. And so, but I literally roll it. It's in the format of an army field manual. You can open the book and look for exactly what you need. And the sections are color coded. So they're easy to find and and all that. And then at some point after having done that, after run the IT business for a while, I told my partner that I wanted to do this. And he says, well, I want to stay with the IT. So I sold him my interest in the company and I opened this business that I'm in now. And then I sucked at it again. I had no idea that transitioning careers and starting a new kind of business with a different audience and a new sales cycle. I knew what I knew and I knew it well. And in the IT space, I could do really great, but this was a whole new thing. And now here we are four or five years later and I figured it out. So why is it that you're successful in one career and then struggle as you make a transition into more of a vertical market. Why did that not translate? Well, if I'd moved to something that was a little closer, it would have probably translated a little bit better. But what I've come to realize, because I asked myself the very question you just asked right now, after about a year of really like struggling, I said, well, why is it that I'm not? And I said, oh, I know, because I went through all those hardships back there to figure out what the problems were. And then I figured out what the problems were and I was able to solve them. I didn't do that here. So I had to kind of go through that cycle again to understand who my client avatar was. In the IT space, I understood- client avatar, I'm, I'm not familiar with that expression. The, the wow. persona, the, the ideal client, to understand okay. who's that target market, right? And so I mm-hmm. understood my target market in IT, right? I started off with doctors and then I moved to lawyers and then I moved to architects and I knew what their problem was. I knew what their pain was. I knew how to solve their pain. Here, I was trying to market to every entrepreneur. So I'm trying to market to every entrepreneur. That's not a target market. That's a whole mess of people with, and you can't focus well, well, on that. Exactly right. Yep. So how does be effective and, and why we're splintering off Red Sapiens now is 
I decided I'd just focus on IT companies. I know that business. I can help IT <clears> companies <throat> yeah. grow. So we've helped a bunch of IT companies hit their first million, double their revenue, triple the amount of people that they have, increase their profit 20, 30%. So that's what we focused on, right? That's Once right. I started focusing on that, then the whole thing shifted for me. While I was trying to help everybody, it wasn't working. And then, yeah, it's getting back to recognizing an area of expertise that you've developed and returning to that and building upon that. You've got Red Sapiens up and running. It's back in the technology space. It's doing well. And then you go start another business called Start, Grow, and Manage. What's yes. that about? It is how to start, grow, manage a business, right? Mm -hmm. And so after I kind of got my sea legs with the IT companies and really saw how right. to have business work, and I saw that it's really a translatable skill. You can talk to any business about it. I had to figure who am I going to focus on next, right? And what I saw is that in specific fields for companies that are over a million dollars, there's a lot of coaches, there's a lot of people helping those people. Who's not getting help? Who's like really hurting and crying? Solopreneurs. Solopreneurs. People that start a business by themselves and have no team and have no help and don't have the tools to succeed. And so that's what I decided we focus on next. And then we started building a team around that. Now there's seven of us, a really amazing group of people. And what we discovered is that what you have to do when you're a solopreneur is that you have to focus on building a business machine, right? And that if you could build a business machine, because what happens is when you're a solopreneur, you were an employee, right? And one right. day you got fed up of being an employee and you said, enough is enough. I'm going to start my own thing. And you started your own thing. You just knew what you knew, just kind of when I started my own thing, right? And it's so interesting that what I'm seeing here, what we're providing now, is what I had to go through in this business. Because I kind of went from having 20-some-odd employees and having a successful business da, 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 to being a solopreneur again, right? And so when I started this business, I was a solopreneur again. But what I didn't have were the five things that you need to build a machine. So what are those? You need a defined target customer. You need a problem you solve for that customer. You need your program for solving the problem repeatable sales and marketing, and repeatable delivery. That's good. Let's go through each one of those. Expound on each one sure. of those, please. Sure. So that defined target market or defined target customer is who has the problem that you solve. And just because I'm an insurance guy doesn't mean that I should sell insurance to everybody. Just right. because I fix telephones doesn't mean that I should fix everybody's cell phone. So the more narrow, the more niche that you make your market, the more clients you'll get. And it seems so counterintuitive, isn't it? The problem is that the entrepreneurial immune system is against this idea of having a niche. Like you try to introduce that into the entrepreneurial immune system and people start having connections. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Because entrepreneurs are an idea a minute. Entrepreneurs have all these things that they can start, but it's not starting. It's start, grow, and manage. And I really, that which, which really goes to your book. By the way, have you finished that book? No, that was in progress. But okay. to your point, this is what happens to solopreneurs. Start, 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 start. Yep. 
That is really so good. And I think that's one of the things that I wanted to get and share with our audience is there are many people that listen to this podcast that are caught in a corporation and they're very frustrated in that they don't know a way out. Here's a guy, you, came to America sleeping on park benches, basements, wherever you can with a mom that has some, sounds like some disabilities, and you've mm-hmm. risen to this point where you've recognized and carved out niches. Key thing is to really narrow your focus. Get narrowed in, especially if you're starting out as a solopreneur. Let's talk about the next thing, the transformation. You talk about transformation, and I love the name. Obviously, my consulting business is Transformational Mortgage Solutions, so I love the name. Talk about the transformation. Great. So that's the problem that you solve for the customer, right? What is the transformation that you provide for that customer? So if you're working with a client, what is that transformation? I'm working with a voice over IP company right now. And they've been kind of struggling because this is a very competitive market. Very, very competitive. Out of space. So, so what we decided to do is focus on privately owned oncology centers. And the reason for that is because they have a software inside of their phone platform that helps you identify call paths and stuff like that so that the patient has a great patient experience. So Mm -hmm. they help oncology centers create magnificent patient experiences on the phone. That's different than I sell phones. That's right. Great point. Yeah. It's, it's going to the result of what your product does. It's not focusing on your product. That's really good. I love this. Then you also talk about the product. What can you share with our listeners on defining the product? Oh, well, that's the program for solving the problem, right? So the product is, so now you have the transformation. The end result is here is what your client will experience. The next piece is here's my program for helping you create that for your client. And that's where you interject your product and talk about the product. Yeah. And then you talk about a predictable sales process. Boy, that one is one that is so important. Repeatable marketing, repeatable sales. You have to have that, right? So the only way you're going to create repeatable marketing and repeatable sales is Mm -hmm. you have to have a process for how you communicate with people. Everybody in your organization needs to know where they are in that process. You don't know how many times I'll work with an organization and they have amazing marketing. Great. That brings them lots of leads. And then when it gets to the salesperson, it breaks down. And the salesperson can't close the deal. And they don't know why that is. And then I go and I interview the salesperson about what's on the website. And the salesperson doesn't know what's on the website. So what happens is that this person starts off on the website, gets a great experience of what the company is going to be, comes to the salesperson, and the salesperson has a different conversation about what the product is and what's on the website. And then the other place where it'll break down, the salesperson does know, and they do a great job, and they hand it off to the onboarding team for that product, and they go to onboard that service, and then the client has a terrible experience. It's not what they were promised by the salesperson. There's another breakdown. So that person that's onboarding needs to be part of the narrative all the way through. Repeatable sales and marketing means that your delivery has to be repeatable. Yes. So those are the five things. The primary things that make up your machine. That's fascinating. Tell people how they can get a hold of your current book and 
start following you. The best way to connect with us is to go to startgrowmanage.com and sign up for the report. We have a report there, and you can just sign up every week. We send out really great complimentary business content that you can use to help you grow your business. That's outstanding. Man, I appreciate it, Joe. It's, it's just so good to get to know you and meet you and hear your enthusiasm and hear what you've overcome. Joe, you have successfully reinvented yourself a number of times as an entrepreneur. Someone who is considering this, feeling trapped, what is your words of wisdom to get out and get moving? Well, one is you have to be responsible for where you are, right? right? If you're single and you don't have anybody to worry about, that's a whole different deal. If you, if you don't love what you're doing for a living, it's not a living, it's a dying. If it's not living, it's a dying. Ah, it's a scary. dying. So you got to go right away. But if you've got children and responsibilities or parents or people that you're caring for and they depend on you, most entrepreneurs operate without a plan. They operate by the seat of their pants. They get mad and they quit their job. What you have to do is figure out, okay, when am I going to get out of here? Okay, so here's my cutoff date. It's going to happen this date, and this is how I'm going to do it. And then you work backward from that date to look at what are the things that you need to do. And you're going to have to put in the extra time. You're going to have to do your work and deliver and continue your performance where you are. And then afterwards, you're going to have to go to work on the thing that you're passionate about, right? And then you start making a little money and then a little more and then a little more. And then there'll come a point where you'll say, okay, now it's time. So do you work with these kind of people? Is that your new business model to help those work through that process to start growing? We have, yes, we have people that are in our ecosystem that are people like that. But most of the people that are in our ecosystem have been in business for a couple of years, but they're making under $300,000 a year, probably mm -hmm. some of them under $100,000 a year. I've had people come at zero revenue and say, I want to start a business and do 150, 170 in the first year, right? Because what we provide... At the end of the day, the five things that I said before, that's what you need for a machine. Yeah. But then what you need to build the machine is you got to have a vision, you got to have a mission, you got to have values, you got to have a strategy, and you have to have a plan. And it's that plan that's going to get you there. Yeah. Right? Most people struggle with the plan part of it. Yeah, they do. <laughs> right? So what we provide to help them with that is we provide accountability, we provide a team, and we provide tools. And what the tools let you do is figure out where do I want to go? And, okay, now what are the things that I'm going to have to do to get there? And what our tools do is give you those little bite-sized pieces that you need, like the breadcrumbs, to get you to where you want to go. How do you think about it? The problem is why people can't plan is because, one, they don't set up a good outcome. I want to generate $200,000 in my first year in business. That's a solid outcome. But what is it going to take? How many clients will I need to do that? A solid number. I know what that is. Okay, well, how will I do that? What are the steps? Well, I don't know. Well, that's what we help you with. <laughs> we help you with how do you market? How do you communicate for yourself? How do you plan? How do you plan your sales calls? How do you hold yourself accountable? The answer is you don't. Somebody has to hold you accountable. You had a boss. You were used to that. So we provide a structure for accountability in a peer group. That's good. And you get accountability, buddy, and hold you. There's so much good stuff here. We're out of time. I, I'm so glad we had a chance to introduce our audience to you. You do a great job. I want to wish you, we've already celebrated Christmas. 
And now we're about ready to get ready to celebrate a new year. I wish you the very, very best in the new year. Happy New Year. Joe, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to meet and uh, hopefully get a chance to work together in a much bigger way. Me too, and that you have the most spectacular year this year, you and the family, that really 2022 is just the the next phase for all of us. It is going to be a good year. We're going to make it a great year. All right, friend, thank you so much. Okay, there's a couple things here, Jack, that I really want to dive into. You and I both have watched so many people reinvent themselves with varying degrees of success in this industry. For me, not about an education. I really value a great education, but it's more about those that have just gone out and done it and made it happen. And that's what I like about Joe's story, quite frankly. Jack, you have seen and banked many companies at your former employer where you have watched many individuals go out and start uh, companies, some of which failed and some of which succeeded. One of the things that Joe talked about is find and focus on a niche rather than trying to be all things to all people. Love to get your thoughts on this interview and some of the things that you've seen that have attributed to someone succeeding and also some things that more importantly probably have helped or contributed to people failing. First, David, Joe's story is inspirational. I was listening to the interview. It just captured me. You characterized it as the other side of the track to come from nothing and to start, fail, start, build, sell, move into different verticals, struggle, and then finally success. And Mm -hmm. I find that to be so inspiring. And and when I was in the warehouse lending business, we really liked banking new companies. And part of that reason was if you help somebody at this very fragile time in their corporate existence and they make it, they'll stay with you for life, David. And so I liked that startup market. And when you think about the mortgage business, I mean, the mortgage sector is made up of entrepreneurs. I mean, I think that's just the lifeblood of the mortgage industry is people that start, grow, build. There's so many stories out there, large mortgage companies today that really came up from the bootstraps, David, Mm -hmm. and, and amazing things in our space. I can think of just a large number of names that would fit that category today. So I thought the podcast interview was nothing short of inspirational and the right time of year for an inspirational mm-hmm. message. Yeah, I always gravitate, especially this time of year, to those inspirational things. This is a time where we reflect, especially between Christmas and New Year this week, where we're going like, what do I want to do? And how many listeners are out there that are feeling dissatisfied, feeling like maybe I should do something different? but they don't have a path to it. They don't know how to do it. They don't know where to go to do it. And Casey Crawford, Bubit Mortgage, was at that place about 14 years ago, if I'm doing the math right. And he Googled how to start a mortgage company. Again, had no clue, but he started where, where many of us do these days. And that's a Google search. I had a website and then I came up and he clicked on it and I had a, a walk-on video. It was back in the time where you could use flash video and I recorded a marketing statement and we recorded in front of a green screen. So I literally looked like I was walking out on top of the website. So uh, he thought that was innovative and I shared a message that resonated with him 
talking about how I had started companies. I am passionate about helping people that want to get a company started. And I've surrounded myself with a team of top professionals that really will help you get there. And so Casey reached out to me now, 14 years later, I think he's the fifth largest independent mortgage banking company funding multiple billions of dollars in mortgage loans each year, wildly successful. And there's many other success stories like that. And it starts with a passion. In Casey's case, he saw how the mortgage industry was run. He watched his sister get a mortgage. And he says, there's got to be a better way. And that was his inspirational moment to let's get into the mortgage business. There may be very many people. One of the things I say, and Jack, you and I have seen this. If you're miserable in a job and you're backing out of that and you're backing into a new experience, Jack, where everyone needs to say, okay, I'm looking at a problem. I don't like it. I am going to make a decision. I'm going to leave. Or you decide, it doesn't mean it's, you don't have to be happy there, but you just sense that there's something more for you. That was the case in the case of Casey. That was a case of many, many, I'm thinking of many people out there. Adam Huddleston of Integrity Home Mortgage has a wonderful story, was literally in drugs, came out of a halfway house and started a mortgage company and is wildly successful today because of people. I had the privilege of getting on to his story early in life. And there's so many stories like that where I've had the privilege of helping. That's what I'm passionate about is helping people, but do not start something by backing away. In other words, you need to stop, pivot, and turn and start being conscious of what you're going to go into. And I think that's one of the things that I encourage people to do. Jack, we're getting more and more feedback of your contribution on the pontification. So please pontificate, my friend. David, first, I I would like to ask you a question. Since you've been in the business of helping these entrepreneurial people build out or create their dream. I mean, in the mortgage space, do you think that more people start their own business? Is the majority of those folk that do that successful loan officers as opposed to other areas of the mortgage business? Do you think it really the majority of people that create their own business come out of the production side as opposed to capital markets or operations or compliance or the many other areas of our business. There's some notable exceptions, but without fail, it's the entrepreneurial sales driven personality type that does that. So yes, the vast, vast majority come out of the sales side of it. And I think that is a good thing because they know if you don't have production, if we don't have loans to fund, you're not originations, you don't have a company. And I think those that come out of the operational side or some other aspect of the business, we're watching a number of investment bankers coming into the space right now. They're buying companies. That's probably the best place for them, but they want to make money. But they fail to understand the importance of the loan origination component of the business. So those that are most successful have come out of sales, and that's my experience. So have you seen the same? Yeah, I certainly have. And one of the things that Joe was talking about that was – one of his early challenges was understanding the continual marketing, the sales cycle, how to close business. And that's something that a successful loan officer has had to 
do mm-hmm. during the course of their careers, right? So they understand the sales cycle. They understand closing a real estate relationship with realtors, and which is the continual marketing piece of this. They've already got that. That part is now incorporated in their DNA. But one thing that I really got out of your conversation with Joe was is the benefit of having a mentor or a company that you associate with, David, that helps you build out your strategy, your plan, what Joe described it as an Army field manual, right, which Mm -hmm. I kind of chuckled on that. But the thought of having mentors or associating yourself with a company that can help you put your plan down in writing, and if you have that down, in writing that you can touch, feel, read every day, any day you need to, right? If you feel you're straying a little bit, you go back to your plan and you Mm -hmm. work your plan. And that plan evolves as the market changes, as your business grows, as your target client profile begins to evolve. The plan is a dynamic plan, but you need to spend time on creating and evolving your plans, and and it anchors you as a startup entrepreneur in what is a very competitive and dynamic business. That's a good point. But when you look at where you're at, listener, where are you at? You can be an intrapreneur starting something inside of an organization. Many organizations are hungry for intrapreneurs but you can also be an entrepreneur and that's outside your organization. If you're looking for guidance on that, we have helped so many companies do that. And it certainly doesn't have to come at the hands of a consulting firm. Jack, you're one of those guys that many have turned to as a warehouse lender because they sought you out for advice. They know you are always ready to offer words of wisdom about any aspect of the business. And I think that's something that people need to do. They need to seek out advice. There's an old saying, an old proverb that I like, in a multitude of counselors, you wage war. Business is war. It feels like war. And I think if you go at it in any other way, you're mistaken. I think this should be going at, there's enemies out there. If you're going out to the market, you're taking on someone else's market share. You're diving into it. That's an attack. That's going to set off a bit of a war per se. Thankfully, no one dies, hopefully. And these wars that we have, but businesses will come and go, come and die. And there's so many opportunities out there. I have been an entrepreneur the better part of my 47 years in this industry. I worked for other companies. And had I known now, like the one person that said about grandkids, had I known how much fun grandkids were, I would have skipped and gone right to grandkids and avoided the first part of the, the journey. Well, obviously, you can't get the grandkids unless you have the family. So there is a certain amount of level of pain and growth. But anyway, Jack, I, I'm going to let you wrap this up. We want to talk more about this based on some comments we're getting. This is an important series. Interested in learning more about servicing, but this is one where many are wanting to go out and start their own company. So, Jack, we may have to figure out uh, where we put the order of this, but certainly we'll need to do more on this because we're getting a lot of feedback from people today. Well, David, I think that just goes back, you know, to the entrepreneurial spirit that we find in mortgage banking. And I think that's a a continual thread that pulls through our industry. And I was sitting there listening to you and I was thinking, 
it's great that you're a good quarterback or you're a good running back or you're a great wide receiver, but players need coaches. And so I think that finding a good coach, and you can scratch through coach and you can put in mentor, or you can scratch through mentor and, and put in a company like Joe's, right, that will help you build out the core foundation that you're going to need to be successful as an entrepreneur in, in the mortgage sector is extremely critical. And to that end, I can see us dedicating a couple podcasts in the future to how to start your own business and how to do it the right way and avoid some of the natural pitfalls that a lot of people will step into, right? What did Joe tell us during the interview? I mean, Joe said, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have right. made those. So through coaching and mentorship, those repetitive pitfalls can be avoided and accelerate the growth of any startup company, David. The spirit of entrepreneurship burns bright in the yes. mortgage sector. And we ought to try kind of lay out, if you're going to do this, here is a way to do it that will help you avoid known pitfalls that mortgage banking entrepreneurs people will find themselves making in the early stage of building their business. So good. We've got a whole series of podcasts we're going to do. Folks, when it comes to the podcast in the new year, we're going to be setting in some very specific things that you, our listeners, have told us you want. We're getting some great feedback to what we've talked about here and as well as the servicing. So there's a lot to talk about. So we hope you will come back and be a part of the podcast throughout 2022. Jack's here with us, and we're so thrilled to add Jack Nunnery, vast amount of experience and wisdom. So we got our regulars. They'll all be back next week, and we'll be back next week. And looking forward to sharing so much of what's going on. Next week, we're going to be having as our special guest, we've got Shane Arlington of The Money Source. And we're going to be talking about an exciting topic that you all will enjoy listening to. So sure to come back next week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Lenders One, Incelerate, Mobility MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc Success Kit, and Lender Toolkit. Check out all of our sponsors in the sponsorship page, and we're grateful to have you. Jack, I'm thankful that you took time to join us today on this holiday podcast, and I want to wish you a very happy new year along with all of our listeners. Thank you so much, sir. Well, David, I really had a good time just discussing the concept of entrepreneurship in our space, and I would like to certainly wish all of the listeners out there a very safe and happy New Year's and a great start to 2022. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Jack. Listeners, thank you so much. You're the best part of this podcast. We love hearing from you, so please get out there and send us some emails. Send it to david at tms-advisors.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Folks, have a great rest of your uh, holiday week. In between the two holidays, have a happy and blessed New Year. Be safe out there, and we'll look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.